bring to mind and keep uh, bearing in mind the relevance of these apamana states, sometimes called, often called Brahma-vihara. This is uh, metta-karuna-muditru-peka, uh, translated as non-aversion, goodwill. Metta-karuna, compassion, uh, willingness to meet the unpleasant with empathy. Mudita, appreciation of the good, appreciative joy, being able to linger in and fully take in the quality of the of the good. And upeka, ability to span to cover the whole range of the emotional range, the karmic range of ups and downs, the impulses and surges with an unwavering heart. These are chitasas, chitasas, the inclinations of the chitta. These can be cultivated as <coughs> practices in their own right by Deliberate recollection. So deliberate recollection, you deliberately select an idea, a thought, an image, a face, a memory that can trigger these qualities and it drops onto the chitta, the chitta resonates a quality of um, goodwill, non-aversion, patient acceptance or something of this nature. Drop the uh, uh, perception image of that which evokes compassion. Drop an image of something that gives rise to a sense of appreciation of the good. Quality of goodness uh, that you feel happy for. Success. uh, Relief. uh, Diminution of pain. Diminution of suffering, diminution, the diminution of ignorance. Even to some degree, we can appreciate that. The damage that we're not doing. Upeka, <laughs> the ability to just, you know, not be finished, not look for an end at that. Sustaining open sensitivity without checking out with success or failure. It's, it's never over until it's over. And you'll know. <laughs> so there's no point in reacting to the up and down of it all. Upeka. And these are. Uh, Chitta states, chitta qualities. So the chitta itself doesn't really experience self and other, experience perceptions. It doesn't experience uh, you, me, experiences perceptions, perceptions of you or me, but it doesn't actually only experiences non duality in this sense. It touches the heart, so it's your. Of a, your goodwill, your success or my success, it doesn't really matter because it just picks up the sign of success or the skillful or the good. It doesn't have to make an identity out of it. <laughs> it just picks up the sign and lights, lights up. Mudita, jitta. Jitta itself doesn't differentiate things in terms of time. Yesterday, today, five years ago, it doesn't have a calendar. It doesn't differentiate in that. It's always it's timeless. So whether it's a memory of something beautiful that happened 150 years ago, 10 years ago, yesterday, still touch, the sign touches that, jitter can light up.
This is the nature of citta. It doesn't work in terms of time or space. It doesn't matter where it is. It doesn't, it doesn't know that. It only knows perception and feeling. It dwells in its karmic tendencies, its karmic currents, its karmic tides, its karmic patterns. It's moved by sankhara. These are tendencies, activities, dispositions, inclinations. He moves in those. Skillful, unskillful. Familiar patterns, and also the possibility to generate new patterns. There's a way to shift karmic tendencies from negativity to more uh, affirmative or nourishing inclinations. That can happen at any time. It can happen at any place, it can happen to any person, because the jitta doesn't know what a person is. <laughs> it only knows sanya, perceptions and feelings. So it doesn't, in this case, this is why the jitta is so potentially so liberating, because it doesn't, it's not necessarily bogged down in personal history. It can be. If you give, if attention is given in that way, so you can have all kinds of personal history about having done this and having been that and never doing this and always getting that and being this case and really quite tangled up and a bit of a mess and da 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 da, da. and you can go, keep going with that and keep and those strong tendencies can be laid down because these tendencies eventually become reflexes, almost embodied, whereby your body, you know, feels that. Pressure, your nervous system picks it up, and you find yourself almost driven into it, into the negative state, or the critical state, or the reactive averse state. Extreme cases, these uh, sankharas well, have physiological effects, it actually begins to distort people's bodies, their faces, they go hard. Mm. And withdrawn, their eyes grow narrow, and health changes, and vitality disappears. And it's said with the mind saturated in metta, one's complexion is radiant, one is, uh, uh, one's face is joyful. There's a certain beauty to a, to a, uh, a meta mind, it actually has a physiological effect. Vitality increases, skin brightens up, the eyes brighten. Uh, this is one of the benefits of meta. So, if you're into cosmetics, <laughs> worried about wrinkling and aging, this is your opportunity. <laughs> Many benefits of metta. It says animals are friendly to you, and generally animals are. They pick up the quality they can sense. They don't understand words, but they know they can pick up atmospheres and they pick up the quality of goodwill. That's why the monks manage to, the forest monks would always walk, when they walk through the jungle with the tigers and so forth, they just, they didn't have a map. They just had metta. Some of them just had maybe one candle. And the candle they could light at night and they just walk chanting the metta sutta to themselves. And they think, well, you know. And uh, meet, meeting animals, meeting wild animals, and just being very quiet and sending forth metta. One monk saying he, he had a, he was out walking, meditation, in the dark in the forest. And the bear came along, 
Bears are pretty crazy. They're, they're really quite dangerous because they're temperamental, reactive. And they just pause. And he, mentally, in his mind, he caught this attitude. Elder brother, I, real, you know, I realize this is your territory. I mean you no harm. You know? Just bringing up this quality of respect to the creature. It's, you know, it's, bears got to live somewhere. <laughs> this is the bear's territory, you know. So they called it elder brother. I respect this is your territory. I mean you no harm. Um, please. Uh, but if I have um, committed any offence to you in this life or a past life, forgiveness. And, you know, so this kind of quality to, to the animal and animal. Huh? Not trying to sniff them. What went off? And you could have get all excited and ang- and panic, and, and probably that would agitate the bear. Bear might attack. And so it's this particularly the with these uh, forest monks, and because they didn't have any weapons anyway, no way of protecting himself. He just relied purely on the power of jitta. There was an incident um, a few years back. These also very dangerous animals are elephants when they go get wild. Wild elephant, when it's maddened, is very, very dangerous, powerful creature, very destructive. And as a monk was in a, one of the, in a wildlife area, and he had a lay attendant with a with a camera. There's this kind of this wild elephant around, and the monk was just very quiet and peaceful with the wild elephant. The wild elephant calmed down, and, and the monk went up and just started stroking the elephant's trunk, stroking it. And the attendant then whipped his camera out, and made his flash camera flash. The elephant went whoa and smashed, killed him. <laughs> you know, because the Panic. They just found the camera with the photograph on it. You've got to be respectful. And they're just really, you know, abiding in that those qualities, which other animals can experience and feel. Uh, you practice metta, then you animals don't harm you. And one dies peacefully, without regret. Very important to generate these qualities for physical health, vitality, happiness, good friendship, and a serene heart. Of course, this is just one of them. So if we did all, all of them, different times, then certainly be enormously... Uh, to our advantage and well-being. And so this quality of the heart, the chetasa, the chetana, you know, it can be touched by, the, the, the uh, metta is touched by the, the uh, respect and the wish to offer to others, something that another being or one's own heart, you know, it can be to oneself or others, because the chitta doesn't really know, it just feels a sense of something's in need. What can I give? It could be your own heart is crying, <laughs> yeah. struggling, feeling angry, feeling upset. The, the, the meta question is, what's needed here? That question itself is a, a way of, of, by just using a question like that, you, again, you invoke the sanya, the perception of offering and the chitta recognizes that it doesn't understand words it understands sanya so there's no point just saying metta 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 maybe well maybe well maybe well might be well how long do I have to do this for because the chitta doesn't hear it it just hears you going through these automatic statements and just the noise really 
But if you have a deep uh, heart intention, it says, well, what's needed here? An offering, leaning in, isn't there? An offering, heart lean, that's metta. And it doesn't mean we have an answer, but it means we have metta. And maybe that's part of the answer, a big part of the answer. Something in us comes out of the gloom or the bitterness or the the hunger. Metta sees the potential for love, for love, the lovability of creatures, which can be nourished by warmth. It's uh, karuna is when we meet the uh, uh, vulnerability of creatures, so the two can mingle, merge. Often it's called metta karuna. They couple together. Karuna meets the vulnerability, the seemingly helpless quality that manifests in ourselves and others. Obviously, people who are dying, terminally ill. Nothing you can do. Instead of getting on despair, frustration, desperately trying to make things better, you just meet that sense of helplessness as you feel it in your own heart. As your jitter feels it, it's helpless, vulnerable. You can't find a way out. Move towards that. Yeah, rather than. And it's it's a it's a <laughs> in, in worldly terms. This is counterintuitive. You want to move away from that. You want to close it down. You want to look the other way. You want to find some way to get out of it. But Karuna, the only way out is in. You go into that, and as we go into the heart, which is struggling to find some way to change things, just starts to open. We feel this sweetness, this tenderness, which could be seem sad, tender. It's very it's associated with water, Karuna. It's like you see the pouring of water. There's this sense of something that's cohesive, it just embraces and covers everything. And in that we begin something realize, is realized, oh, this is everybody. We're all terminally ill. <laughs> Everyone who's born is term, born terminally ill. <laughs> you know, is that a tragedy or just you yeah. pain. Everyone who's born has pain. And in that, strangely, even though that sounds even more miserable, it's not, because it's a feeling of somehow there's a sense of belonging and unity and heartfulness that enables us to rise. The heart rises above that. And so, that's why these states are so powerful, because they in some ways, they don't necessarily attempt to change the condition, but just by this change of relationship to the condition, they seem to rise above the condition or become wider than the condition. The condition is no longer crushing or um, irritating or desperate. It's just, it rises above it. So they are considered gateway doors to the deathless, the unconditioned. The eleven doors to the deathless, these are four of them. And you probably want to know what the other eight are. (laughs) Just in case, make cover your bets. (laughs) Well, four four rupa jhanas and three of the immaterial states. Another day, maybe. Let's keep. Uh, this rising above, it's rising beyond the condition. It's uh, see, it's a condition, a condition called metta or a conditional called karuna. It's a gate. 
it's not the deathless, it's a gate to it. Because arising from the condition, one is possible to realize that's a condition. And this metta is also a condition. And this <laughs> the mind can change from that beyond beyond the condition. But you have to yeah, sort of just bear that in mind. It's it's a it's a, it's a realization. It's nothing you can do. You can't make it happen. You abide in that realization, and mind seems to can shift and change, drop or descend. It depends how people express it. Karuna, you know, one way of um, cultivating karuna is using the question or using the uh, 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 almost a request, uh, is there any more, please, is there any more suffering you, you, you could bring? <laughs> yeah, I want to be with this. So just when you think, oh, I wish this was over, I wish it was over, I wish it was over, is there any more? more? Is there any more? I wish my mind would stop doing this. Is there any more? Any more? Any more? The mind starts stuttering. Any more complaining? Any more complaining? Come on, you can try. A bit more complaining, please. Bring it on. Well, there just must be something more to complain about. Bring it. I want to hear it all. Mind goes, oh, um, um, um. I can't find anything to complain about, and it's annoying me. <laughs> I have to go into the past and think about something to complain about in the past. <laughs> and so this sense of just this widening to receive the, the, the dukkha. <laughs> and, uh, but then what you're doing, you see, is changing not so much the topic, but the tone, if you like, of, of the mind as it receives the topic. Instead of the mind bare resisting, hoping it will finish, oh dear, and it would get over this, and you know, being tense or snarled or tangly or resistant, drops that changes the tone. And suddenly we feel really light. Tone becomes light and spacious but also deeply resonant. We realize the sadness of the world and resonate with it. And it makes us less pushy, less arrogant, less demanding, uh, less fault-finding. or patient. Mudita, quality to be, to be uh, acknowledged, to be remembered, to be considered. Sometimes it's, it gets dropped, missed off the list, or we don't I really give it full um, benefit, or we don't really take the time. Mudita is the ability to appreciate the good. And so it's a useful question to bring to mind now is this anything, any, any quality that you could appreciate? I know there's plenty you could you could not like. Is any that you could appreciate, that your mind could appreciate, like the absence of pain, to linger in the absence of pain. <laughs> you know, the no toothache. When you've had a toothache and it stops, you know, oh, you know, oh. So grateful for that. 
for at least 25 seconds. <laughs> or something else bothers me. <laughs> uh, one, of the monks, he, one of the monks had um, bladder cancer. So it was the cancer's very threatening disease or disease, so he had to have an operation had to take his bladder out and they had to um, generate, create a new bladder by cutting a bit of his intestine off and trying to make a little bag of it, I guess trying to make it into a bladder and stitch it back in. Incredible procedure really. And of course the bladder intestine didn't know how to be a bladder. It knew how to be an intestine, but bladders have a particular kind of skill that they've developed to become bladders. You know? It's amazing how these cells learn things, you know, like lungs know how to do being lung, but they're useless at digesting food. So, you know, you, as I say, bodies have a lot of intelligence in them, but it takes time for them to learn. You know, when you're very small, they, they, very, they learn very quickly, you know, they pick things up, but when you're middle-aged or so, it takes a while for them to learn a new trick. So it took quite a while for his new bladder to learn how to be a bladder. <laughs> do what bladders do. <laughs> so he had all this, you know, at least six months or so being hooked up to tubes and, you know, and then considerable discomfort and not being able to urinate or having to urinate lots of times or difficulty urinating. And he said, oh, painful, uncomfortable stuck in a room because you can't go very far because you may have to urinate somewhere. Um, eventually the bladder, the new bladder got, gradually got learned how to do it. Started operating normally. He said, oh, it's just such joy just to be able to urinate. <laughs> <laughs> you think, well... How strange, you know. <laughs> this joy out of urinating must be perverse, but but when you, when it's smooth and comfortable, when it's been extremely difficult, then you are joyful, even just that. Most of us can urinate quite quite well, I imagine. We don't really appreciate it. And so noticing the pain, the, the absence of pain, even I feel, feeling grateful. Yeah. Uh, the absence of so many terrible things that people experience, we're not, that we potentially could experience. Really ghastly diseases and pains and torture and uh, deprivation. Uh, you know, you, you just. And you can see they're complaining about the taste of the soup. <laughs> wow, this is horrible, isn't it? Just how the mind so easily finds the unpleasant. And then trying to, you know, re retrieve this possibility to feel joy. <clears throat> the absence of pain or the presence of one skillful mind factor even one mind factor, let alone, you know, all the mind factors that make up the five precepts or the eight precepts, all the mental factors, the resolution, the commitment, the restraint, the attention, the wisdom, the, com the concern, the respect, the holding up of value. Lots of skillful mind states just in keeping the five precepts. Do we linger in them? Do we just mumble them? Every day, or once a week, or something, but but then really, you know, sensing the quality in that, and panatipata, the the sense of respect for another creature, even if you don't like it, even if it's dangerous and unpleasant, you don't kill it. That's that's phenomenal, really. Something you don't like, and you don't kill it. Something that you're even frightened of, and you don't kill it. 
course, uh, this precept is widely, uh, widely uh, dismissed. We need to kill, keep killing and killing and killing to eat. I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe some do, but not like, you know, the what we've condemned billions of creatures, animals to, to imprisonment, captivity, you know, a, a life of torment, and then being slaughtered, so we can have something on our plate. And then, you know, the amount of destruction it takes to generate even the land to feed the animals on. See how beautiful wild animals are, how much we enjoy their dignity and their, their mystery and their power. Uh, we enslave and torment and destroy so many. We don't really see it. We don't really see them as creatures, see them just as commodities. As animals, and then human beings, we see them as nationalities or different. You know, people with different religions. We typify them as stupid or violent, or you know, my enemies. As no, we kill them, kill each other. And of course, when you look into this, you see there's a lot of uh, this um, abusiveness. There's always amount to physical death, but there's a lot of abusive, violent behavior that we're all capable of towards others and then towards ourselves. It bounces back once one has this mind, the critical, violent mind, it can turn on you, and come back on you. And it does. People destroy themselves either drinking, you know, drugs, brutality, dumb themselves down or literally take their own lives. Yeah. So if one realizes, you know, well I'm out of that, I'm out of that horror, that hell realm, yeah. oh, it's great gain for me. It's great gain for me, the chitta will not go down, <laughs> will not go to hell realms or ignorance. Oh, I'm blessed with that. Not everyone, unfortunately, um, has seen that. So the mudita, even for that, that much, for the, un, the evil one hasn't done, and just really acknowledging, you know, the, the skillfulness it takes to sustain a precept against the push of fear and desire and irritation and ignorance that makes us think, ah, it doesn't really matter. Which is the fundamental, um, that's the mark of ignorance. It's either where the sense of vigilance and concern is dismissed, ah, it doesn't really matter. It's called quashing scruples. Quashing scruples, yeah. Well, everybody does this. Well, it's not, you know, it doesn't matter, we squash it. You can feel something come up, a sensitive come up, and, well, I don't, you know, a few drinks down then doesn't really matter, you know, a big, big thing out of it. What's that? <laughs> what was that mental factor? What was that mental factor that did that, that turns the attention into a, Fuzzy kind of, wow. is, that, is that an enlightenment factor? <laughs> is that an enlightenment factor? Or, or when you see it, oh, it's that, that's Mara. There, it is. there you are. You're in that casual gesture of, oh, well, another day, let tomorrow be okay, tomorrow brush it away. Yeah, there's Mara. Mara came in with horns, you'd certainly know it. When Mara comes in wearing a suit and tie, you think, oh, hello, Mara. <laughs> 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 what 
when Mara comes and says, oh look, take it easy, you've had a hard day. You know, why don't you have a little one of these? That'd be all right. Everybody does. You, you deserve it. Oh, thank you, Mara. <laughs> so you should be careful of the, the Maras that, that the disguises it wears. It's, one of them is this squashing of, of conscience. So if we're clear of that, we can feel, you know, these, oh, you know, I make making difficult choices, perhaps that are socially challenging. You know, if I'm not drinking or do this, that, and the other, going against the, the tide of consumerism or ignorance, you can feel left out. But maybe you think, well, you know, left out of what? <laughs> Where's the rest of it going? <laughs> And maybe, you know, by your own example, you could, in, you could be an inspiration to others. And say, well, but she doesn't. She doesn't do that. She's quite a nice person. Maybe I won't do it either. <laughs> you know, we could, we could be a sign that encourages others. And this is certainly a, 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 almost like a dhammic responsibility. It's not to be preaching, but to living it and presenting. You know, this is how... And we come by ourselves and we're happy because we're enjoying it. We're not just being righteous, we're actually enjoying it. Yeah. Enjoying because it is enjoyable when you and it's important to enjoy it. Because then it blossoms. What you linger on and make much of becomes the dominant sign of your mind and when you linger and make much of these uh, measureless states that's what your mind becomes it becomes measureless abundant, exalted, uplifted free from the disease hostility and ill will the sourness the pressure of hostility and ill will fear of the hostility of others, having malevolence or grudges towards others, just to be free of that. And mudita is something that, uh, you know, it means can, can, is there something to be appreciated here? And uh, it doesn't matter where it is. Because jitter doesn't mind whether it's you or somebody else. It just sent picks up the sign. The peka. Something we can just stretch our minds over and not ask for results. We don't close the book on success. We don't close the book on failure. Praise, we don't close the book and say, that's it, it's wonderful. No, wait. <laughs> We don't close the book on blame, it's all a waste of time, useless, can't we? Just keep it open, keep reading with a sense of heart and the feeling the ups and downs. And just notice then what is it? Chitta is just chitta being imperturbable. And this is the deliverance by imperturbable equanimity. Human realm, the community, particularly in community life, it's certainly it's it's always like that. Another another day, another new person, another situation, and just you know you think, oh, this will be all over then. Get that sorted out, it'll be all over. <laughs> and it's never over. It just goes on. And what happens is you're you're wishing that it be all over. That ends. You're wishing to get to the place when it's all settled. That wish ends because you realize the condition is never settled. And you don't expect it to be. 
just starts to rise above it. It's often in, um, only people I've seen manifest this to a strong degree uh, are been monks, particularly in uh, communities. So, Paul Liam is the abbot of Wat Papong, is renowned for his equanimity. As he's someone who's just seemingly it's very modest in some ways, he's quite an insignificant looking person, quite small, doesn't make anything of himself, likes to just go around doing sweeping. Just tidies up the monastery with his broom, and he's the kind of head of this whole organization. He's just out with his broom, tidying up, or he's drawing nails out of pieces of wood so he can hammer them straight so he can use them again because he likes, uh, he likes doing physical work. So his idea of having a break is finding a quiet place in the corner of Wat Pong and getting old bits of wood and pulling the nails out of them and hammering them straight. <laughs> but he's also, you know, kind of available to all this constant sea of people coming in. And, uh, and he has a little kuti, which is open. Downstairs is... It's just open space, so people just go down the stairs and he's sitting there. No doors, he's sitting there. Uh-huh. And he's an upstairs, which is supposed to be where he, where he sleeps. But he never goes there, so he just eventually uses it as a storeroom. So he just sits downstairs and there's people coming in with their problems and this, that and the other. You see. Uh-huh. Naturally, uh, you know, uh, we like that. People bring lots of, everybody's got a problem or an issue or something to bring. And, uh, oh, conditions are like this, conditions are like that. Uh, it's commandment, you know, but staying open to it all. And he's built this amazing uh, monastery, Wat Pa Pong. Most all the building has been done by him. And, uh, and once asking him, you know, about Wat Papong, he says, oh, I don't really like Wat Papong very much. But it's just a place where I practice. <laughs> and he spent 40 years there <laughs> just do, doing things because conditions are unsatisfactory, but... They're unsatisfactory everywhere, so I'll just do it here. <laughs> uh, yeah. That uh, mind rising above. Of course, when um, when Ajahn Chah passed away, he was the he'd always been Ajahn Chah's second or deputy, and he was always renowned. He'd just sit. Ajahn Chah would be very. Voluble and bringing things, talking things to him, imagine Liam just sitting next to him, just completely silent like a shadow. Often slightly bent over. <laughs> Years, just like that. Hardly ever said anything. And then when Lumpur Chah got ill, Lumpur Liam built a little hospital for him, Kuti. They had monks nursing Ajahn Chah for 10 years, night and day. And Ajahn Liam would still sit next to the place where Lumpur Chah used to sit. It would be Lumpur Chah's seat in the main meeting hall. And he wouldn't sit on it. He'd sit in the same place next to where Lumpur Chah would be, just sitting there. You know, saying a few things that needed to be said. And Lumpur Chah eventually passed away. And and I was just being, well, what happens now? Chaos, and Lumpur Liam still sitting there, just, oh, conditions are like this. <laughs> <laughs> and so they said, well, we better make Lumpur Liam be the abbot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they said, that's what they call me, but I'm still just sitting here like this. You know, they call me the abbot now. I still go around sweeping up, pulling out nails, doing bits and pieces, you know, whatever needs to be done. So, yeah. He moved him into the centre, so he's sitting in the centre. 
Sí. Sí, you're not like Ajahn Chah. You know, Ajahn Chah would never have done that. Lumpur mm-hmm. Chah was always like this, and you're not. Mm-hmm. Why don't you do this? And I've been complaining, complaining, complaining. He wasn't like this, and he wasn't like that, and he could be like this, and he's never that. This was going wrong, and it was all in his sitting there. Mm. Oh, conditions are like this, go you know, <laughs> sweeping, tidying up. <laughs> Eventually, the you know the, the the tumult died down, and he's still conditions are like this. Then people say, "Oh, no, Pauline is really wonderful." Mm-hmm. Conditions are like this. <laughs> The same. It doesn't change temperature, it's just always the same. The conditions are like this. And, you know, you know, we, do, we do our duties, we do what's appropriate, we don't ask for any results. We practice with no results. Just keep open, open kuti, open mind. Conditions are like this. This is a, this is a you know, it's an interesting model. And naturally, it's a, it's a tough number to to cultivate. You know, and get so indignant. People shouldn't blame me. I'm doing the best I can. Mm, you, know, you think you can do better? You're blaming me, criticizing me. Well, I've done this for the last 15 years. You think you can do who you think you are? Conditions are like this. You know, blaming is like this. Not liking it is like this. <laughs> Feels like this. Not wanting it to happen feels like this. That's just the emotions doing this. It's just like that. Wanting it to go away feels like this. Like that. Very patient over the whole range of what the jitter does as it's tormented and running around and getting up and down. You know, like this. Like this. And then there's a point at which that upeka quality begins to crystallize. It's funny. There's all this thing going on in the front of my mind. There's this space beginning to develop behind it. Space is quite warm and quite bright. Just go back into that. And the energy of the you know, the up and down energy of the sankharas is something that doesn't really pull you. You're not interested in it anymore because it's been doing it forever and it will continue to do it forever. <laughs> as long as sankhara goes on, it will continue. You say, well, well look, you know, just, just, there's that and there's this. So returning. So these are powerful gates out of the reactivity of the programmed, of the habitual, of the personal personalized realm, its personal formations, which we all have and which we can feel Sharing, you know, I know it's, I know it's difficult being a person. Even being a good person is difficult. <laughs> being a person is, is is difficult. Lots of dilemmas. Difficult choices to have to make. You know, lots of things you could wish you did better on. I know, I've got those too. Lots of things you feel some regret over. I know. There's still kinds of things you wish you could have done. I know, I've got those too. <laughs> I wish you could have been. I know. And the uncertainty, you might never get it. I know that one too. Maybe your whole life has been a complete waste of time. I, get, I know that one. You know, all, you know, all the tricks, all the turns, all the tangles, all the complexities, the whimpering, the struggling, the pleading, the righteousness, the all this, you know, it just goes on, and you can't 
fix it. If you you withdraw, not from aversion, just to look for responsibility, out of a sense of responsibility of this jitta, for it, when it's in its confusion, it can strangle itself. It just in personal personality, in conditioned factors. So it's not to say it's fine or or anything. It's just this, you know, out of responsibility to step into something whereby you're not constantly rehashing and participating in these afflictive patterns. Because if you do, they will get stronger. It's just really being very practical and direct. And it's available. It's not available as just some kind of uh, ritual thing we say. It's available training, training the inclination. We pause, pausing, apamada, vigilance, withdraw, disengage from the rushing on of the mind with verbiage, it's, it's emotional tumult, just step back, use your body to step back. Feeling your straightness, your uprightness and out-breath just to help to give the chitta something to be pulled back by or even just bearing in mind the memory, the example, even of one teaching that just for a moment arrests the mind. You say, remember. Ajahn said this, remember. Remember. This is mindfulness. So for one moment you check. Mind's struggling. And it checks. Because it has to pick picks up something else, which has got a different quality to it. And then there could be the rising one begins to see the beautiful to be enjoyed or the, uh, the, the the hurt to feel compassion for or just the need to put something in there support or just the ability to be you know conditions are like this and these are very genuine inflections they're not just um, ritual phrases I'm a student of mine who she used to, she, I think she lives in New York, and New York's pretty, as you know, you can just imagine, busy, intense, people rushing around, lots of things going on, high speed, people. And her mind, she'd go, as she was walking down the street, her mind would kind of, he's too fat. What's she wearing those shoes for? This guy's like noisy. That crazy guy driving a car. What's that stupid haircut for? You know, that might just be stabbing everyone on the street. <laughs> He's too slow. Get out of my way. You know, what's she wearing that silly dress for? You know, it's kind of stab, stab, stab. My mind's still. She didn't like it. Didn't like it. The mind was kept doing this. I just said, "Listen to this. It's horrible." I said, "Well, do, do you act upon it?" "Oh no, no, I don't do anything. I don't ever say anything about it." But well, that's good. I said, look, you know, it's just people. It's just people. That's all, it's just people being people. And uh, so, it's just like that. And so one, one day she was sitting on a subway train. And a woman came and sat opposite. And this woman had a lovely kind of yellow, long yellow dress. And she had a kind of canary yellow hat to match it. And she had these black patent leather shoes, little black patent leather handbag. She'd obviously taken a great deal of attention to care to kind of produce this appearance. My, my friend looked at her and she's going, yes, stupid, is she really thinking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then she, this, she heard my voice saying, it's just people, it's just people. And she looked at it. Oh, she's put a lot of care and attention into trying to produce this beautiful form. Well, good for her. 
she's you know she's she's made it. She's succeeded in producing something beautiful. She has a sense of mudita, <laughs> just around that, you know. How did that happen? I don't know what those words meant, what they did. But it could mean instead of you being what I see you as, what I think of you, you're you. Yeah. So whether I approve it or not, you're like that. Right? So there's a sense of distancing. The person is, she is in her karma. Yeah. She's not part of my world that I'm going to make this way or that way. Whether she's fat or thin or tall, that, that's hers. It's nothing to do with me whether I like it or not. You just let people be as they are in that arising. And you notice, well, she's put a lot of attention into doing that. Well, there's some, at least there's some care and attention in what she's doing. Uh, good for her. A bit of mudita. And this is just around someone wearing, you know, a carefully chosen suit of clothes. But if you notice in a day, you see people doing much better than that. <laughs> you know? People have managed the incredible feat of putting their shoes on shoe racks. This is all, this is all inspiring. Not many people can put shoes on shoe racks these days. Wow, people put shoes on shoe racks here. Yeah, just mind-blowing. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously deeply attained in stream entry or something to do such a thing. We can't do that in a monastery. It's just not, not, not that developed yet. But I've seen it, yeah. People come in in order to, to offer alms food, you know, didn't have to. Uh, people come to meditation retreats, it's, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be painful, they know it, they come and do it. That's admirable, that's admirable. People yeah. bear with it, that's really admirable. When you pick up you know, the quality of the aspiration, it gives you a sense of, good, I, I celebrate that, and I'm ordinary. And then bringing it back to yourself, you know. Something in us could have left days ago. Something in us could say, oh, I don't want to bother to get up in the morning. Nobody's going to punish me anyway, so it's my life. You know, I don't want to get up, so I just feel a bit more sleep. You didn't. People got up. Go through the process, sharing a room, sharing showers and so forth, and rising up. So all this, we, you did that. You didn't feel very good. Maybe you felt a bit tired or not clear in the head, but you did it anyway. That sense of resolution, aditana, commitment, and just rising up against the habits and the physiological forces that we are prone to. Hunger, fatigue, you know, dullness, rising up against it, and noticing that in yourself. Yeah. And these are then to be celebrated and the beauty of it is once you begin to really highlight and put a, a line under the skillful there's that, put a highlight on it dwell in it, then you begin to understand it because if you don't see it you can't understand it you can think about enlightenment factors as great ideas you can think about indriyas as great ideas you can think about itipadas you know, and great ideas and impressive lists, but you don't even see them in yourself. But here, because of the the multiplicity of mental factors, so with mudita, you begin to put a highlight. That one is called faith. It felt like that. That, yeah, that's it. Oh, well, everybody does it. No, not everybody doesn't do that. <laughs> you did it. Oh. oh, I didn't know because it just happened. It wasn't even really a personal decision. It came from the heart. 
person was going, well, maybe I can't really do tomorrow, how long have I been doing it? So, so not really very good at this, and you know, I can't really chant anyway, grumble, 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 grumble. But then <laughs> the chitta says, up you get. <laughs> this is called faith and, and uh, the chanda, arising energy, aspiration, and it arises. Jitta's doing this. And so you begin to highlight it. If you highlight it, you see, when that factor is present, and I linger in it, it causes the diminution of doubt, the diminution of attachment to personal views. It leads to stream entry. But you have to linger in it to bring it up, dwell in it, make much of it, so it becomes more available, more accessible. One lingers and dwells in these, they ripen into that which transcends. <coughs> this is a universal law. It's not, and many of us don't hardly realize what the jitta. We're constantly mesmerized by a person, personalities with all their conditioning. Myself, I've been a bhikkhu for something like 40, forgotten, over 40, 40 something years. I didn't imagine I'd be doing this. I had no idea. You know, Jitta says, I was looking around, and Jitta says, his meditation class lights up, go and meditate. What? Okay. Oh, can't do this, can't do this, can't, can't do this. Jitta says, do some more of it. Hmm? I can't do it, just keep doing it. It doesn't speak in words, but it turns, goes that way. Go to a monastery. I don't go to a monastery, go to a monastery. I don't go to a monastery. Yeah, okay, go to the monastery. It doesn't speak in words, it just starts pu- pulling, pushing. You find yourself totally turning up this monastery, thinking, I don't know what this is all about, what can I do here? And you go in and sit there, and say, oh, here's a kuti, and you keep the eight precepts, and no eating. Chitta says, yep, fine, grab, bow three times. What did I do that for? <laughs> and then, you know, sitting this uh, little kuti for years on end, Mind going all over the place. Jitta just, there you go, keep with it. Took about 10 or 11 days to decide to become a monk. Temporarily, of course. Only for the next 50 years. Then it'll be over. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a week or two, maybe, you know, a couple of months or so. What are you doing? Oh well, just do it. And then the jitter keeps, you do this, you do that. And your person is going, well maybe, maybe, but then again I, after this I will, and then, then I'll go back, and then after this I will, and I, I've, I've learned to do good, I'll stop, so I'll do this, and then I'll be okay, I'll go out, and, and jitter just says, stay here. <laughs> yeah, but I could, I could, I could, um, what could I, um, I could um, live on a farm somewhere. I could um, keep goats. I could uh, grow carrots. I could, um, I could something. I just just stay here. <laughs> just stay here, and I could but uh, just stay here, <laughs> and then it stays. And you kind of say, where did that, I don't know where it came from, but there it is. Yeah? And so, you know, this is the, the, the miracle of meditation, I think. You know, that very, what gets us to do it in the first place, and how we continue uh, through our personal struggles. And you thought to think, mudita, 
I'm so appreciative. There's some quality in me that doesn't just believe in the thoughts in my mind. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> so you can have you can have mudita for that, just that alone. You know, crazy thoughts can come and go. Ah, and I don't have to believe in them. <laughs> and if the less you believe in the less passion and power they have, they begin to fade out. And as the karma is karma is just unraveling. The karmic intensities are just dying, unraveling and passing away so the mind becomes more quiet and contented. So these are these are definitely cultivations and one should always have them ready. If you do whatever you're doing, doing anapanasati, say, well, should I practice with metta? Can I do metta and anapanasati as well? Saying, well, when you practice anapanasati, don't you like to practice with a mind of ill will or a mind of good will? <laughs> you can do either of those. If you want ill will, you can do that. You can be critical, fault finding, complaining, feeling hopeless. You could do that. You can, it's very, people do that, commit to that practice actually for years. Or you could practice with a mind of goodwill. Which would you prefer? It's up to you. <laughs> I think I'll practice with a mind of goodwill. Okay, then do, you know, you don't have to. You can keep that atmosphere of, of contentment and support going while you're doing. If you don't, you know, it will go into the other, won't it? It will go into the default realm. So certainly you cultivate in this atmosphere of friendliness for your welfare and use that tone, that, that approach to, to guide what you actually do, you know, where you decide it's time to pause, it's time to move my legs, it's time just to wait for this to pass, it's time to pick up the skillful, it's time to be compassionate towards the painful. And those inflections should be ready as part of your jitta response in whatever you're doing, whether it's mindfulness of breathing, cooking the meal, walking up and down. And so there's this thorough fruition of practice. So then the practice is not lost on you and be for your welfare. <laughs>